Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. And one week from today, we will finally be knowing some things about the draft. After months of prognosticating and evaluating and talking about it, we're finally on the final countdown here. So, of course, it's going to be a very draft-centered Insider Live that we have here. And any questions you have about that or anything else with the Buccaneers, you can put underneath our live video on Facebook in the comment section. We'll get to those in a few minutes. But for now, as we give people a chance to do that, Jason Light spoke to the media this week, the man of the hour, the man everybody wants to know a thousand things from, but the man who also will tell us very little about right. what they're going to do on purpose. So from what he got, what he was able to give you guys, were there any things that you felt like gave you some nuggets, some insights, something that you found interesting about what he said? You got it right on the head there. That This is an annual thing. Probably most teams do it. The, your uh, general manager speaks before the draft, and it's an exercise in the media asking questions they hope he'll talk about and, and him making sure Not he doesn't doing that. give away yeah. any strategy. <laughs> but he does talk, I think, pretty candidly about some of his – processes when it comes to drafting and you know every he'll tell you every every draft pick even in the first round is a coin flip there there a lot of them are just not going to work out but to try to increase your chances of success there are a few things he does and tries not to do mm -hmm. and one of the big ones for Jason is never to push need too high is mm -hmm. the way he put it so don't he's got his board set up by need and best player mm -hmm. and what he wants most of all is for those two to collide at the yeah, top that's when, the whenever ideal. the players at the top of both lists then you that's the perfect outcome yep. and um, that's what he's going to try to do so let's just take for an example let's say the Buccaneers uh, he called them perceived needs because he's clearly drawing a line between whatever he says is our needs and what they think are needs. Right. But let's say a perceived need is edge rusher, and <clears throat> the you have a tier of top five of them there. Mm -hmm. And by the time it gets to you, there are none of those left, and then there's a bit of a drop to the next tier. But you've got players at other positions that are higher on the board. Where you make your mistake and where you regret it even a year from now is when you just jump down, pick this guy yep. at the position of need, of greater need than anybody else. Because if you think about it, at some point, with the way rosters turn over, you can make a pick at any position, and you're probably going to need it within a couple of years, right? Right. So you got to think about right now, but you also have to have an eye to the future. And uh, it got me to thinking about um, a question we took a couple weeks ago about at 27, are there any positions where the Bucks could reasonably get the first player off the board at that position? And I went back and looked at all of Jason Light's eight drafts so far and who he took in the first round, and there have been a couple times where we have gotten the, the first guy at the position, and and recently it's worked out quite well. You know, 2018, Vita Vea was the first interior defensive lineman, got him uh, at 12, Devin White the next year at five, the first off-ball linebacker, but it doesn't always work out that way, and I think the best example there is Tristan Wirfs. There was, mm. two years ago, there were four players that everybody considered blue chip tackles to the point where when there were three of them were gone and we were sitting at 14, we traded up, we gave up a fourth round pick just to move up one spot to make sure we got the last one. He was the last one left. He wasn't necessarily the last one on our board. And as we right. know, Tristan Wirfs worked out really, really well. Yeah, and that can be the difference in how deep a draft is at a certain position where, you know, there were four that teams mm -hmm. thought were worth drafting no matter where it was yeah. in that first round. But there are going to be years and positions where you really only want the first guy or you know maybe yeah. it's a bit huge difference between the first and the fourth and so that's going to be interesting to see how that'll work this year and in terms of looking at the first three rounds or so first four rounds in particular we, we know everybody likes to focus on yeah. thursday but i think that we can all definitely trust that process jason light was talking about because uh in his tenure here they have done yeah. pretty well especially those those first few rounds yeah that was another bit of i think concrete bit of um information that jason gave us yesterday or on tuesday mm -hmm. uh 
and I think a lot of people feel this way about this draft, it's not a particularly top-heavy draft. There aren't a whole lot of guys you know must go in the top five. There's a lot of disagreement about where some guys at like defensive end, edge rusher, mm -hmm. what order they're going to go in. Uh, and Jason said there may not be 30 guys that they have a first-round grade on this year. Right. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of scraping a little bit there to, to at, at the end of the first round. But he says he does think this is a good deep draft in terms of mid-round picks, that when you're picking in the second, the third, and fourth round, mm -hmm. there are going to be quality guys there. And those are very important picks. I mean, look at this. This is just the last, since uh, 2017, players uh, that the Bucks have picked in the second, third, or fourth round that became really core players yep. for the Buccaneers and that Super Bowl team and the one that went 13-4 and four last year. Uh, a couple of them have taken that success, unfortunately, for the Bucks and moved on, like Alex Kappa and Jordan Whitehead. But uh, those guys right there were key players, key core guys. That's how what the team was built around. I mean, I know we brought in Tom Brady, obviously. Right. But they, that team, even with Tom Brady, probably doesn't win the Super Bowl if you aren't hitting on mid-round picks. And those picks are probably going to be especially important this year. And the Bucks pick at 60 and 91 in the third round. I don't remember the exact number of the fourth-round pick. But, yes, we're all going to be focused on the first-round pick. But these middle-round picks are going to be key. Yeah, that <laughs> is going to be huge. And I think that's also why some people have wondered if maybe the Bucks will try to trade down. So mm -hmm. this is going to be a little plug for our road to the draft that we're going to shoot right after this that will come out later so that everybody can hear a little bit more about our theories on trading up, trading back, how likely that could be. And so uh, definitely tune into the next, in our final road to the draft that we'll be shooting after this. So I know that we in the past had talked about one of the potential positions you saw the Bucks looking at was defensive line. And it just turned out that Jason Light got asked about that. So did that give you any information? <clears throat> Yeah, I think the reason he was asked is because I'm not the only one who's been mock drafting defensive linemen like Devontae Wyatt, for mm -hmm. example, to the Buccaneers. It's a common thing you'll see in mock drafts because it is a position where there could be some value left at the end of the first round. And uh, and and the Buccaneers are potentially losing a couple of players there. You know, it, Jason Light's answer to the question was he brought up Vita Vea and Will Golston and, and Nacho, Raheem Nunez-Rochez, and said they like some of the young guys too, like maybe he means Benning Patoye, mm -hmm. uh, Kobe Smith maybe, uh, Patrick O'Connor who just re-signed. And those are all good points. But you still, you look at this, Ndamukong Sue and Steve McClendon, if they don't return, that's about, what, 800, that's about 1,100 snaps. That's a lot of snaps, that's, that's of including snaps. the playoffs. That's a lot of snaps to replace. And if you don't think Benning Pataway or Patrick O'Connor is going to step up and take another 500 snaps, which, you know, I don't think you can predict that no. confidently, right? No. Then you probably do need some more. Now, Jason's point was the draft isn't the only way to get there. Right. There's still more free agency. There's undrafted free agency. There's trades. He specifically mentioned how the trade deadline didn't happen until, you know, months and months from now. And, and he did trade for Steve McClendon a couple mm -hmm. of years ago. So that's a very good point. And he's right. The Buccaneers are not going to be painted into a corner right. at the end of the first round or in the second round or whatever to take an interior defensive lineman. That being said, you can still see the logic why if the need and the best player inter intersect, that would be a great pick for the Buccaneers. Well, and we're <clears> going to get into the Facebook questions now. And you mentioned trades. So uh, I think Chriselle is how you say this name. Chriselle said, do you think the Bucks will try to trade for Debo Samuel? I knew it. I knew, I knew that question was going to come. I was talking to people in the office as soon as that came out. Yep. I'm like, the first question, and it turned out yep. to be true, the first, yep. question, first question tomorrow is going to be, will the Bucks trade for Debo Samuel? You know, I can't help, I have to bring up that in, since the Super Bowl year and uh, in last year too, that things you would consider implausible, yeah. you know, you can't never say, say no. never anymore. When Leonard Fournette was cut, are the Bucks going to get Leonard Fournette? Well, I don't know about that. 
Bucks get Leonard yep. Fournette. You know, you Gronk, Gronk, all the people. Antonio yeah. Brown. Yeah. That said, so I won't dismiss it, right? And, right. and Debo Samuel is a great player, and you could do a lot of different stuff in the offense with him. Uh, I'm sure Tom Brady would love to add Debo Samuel. But you got to consider the Bucks' cap space is nearly minimal at this mm-hmm. point. Um, they they probably aren't going to sign anybody else, else until after the draft. Right. And it would be very difficult financially. And I know you can make it happen. There, there's always a way to work with the cap, but you're, it's not easy, and you're, you're hurting yourself down the road a little bit. And so if there's any position in which the Bucks would take on another, like, 18 to $20 million player, it's hard to see it being wide receiver when you're already right. paying Mike Evans and Chris Godwin a ton. So I don't think it's likely. I think there's a lot more likely landing spots if he is traded, uh, but I guess never say never. Never say <laughs> never. All right, and then our next one, uh, Daniel asked, do you think that we're going to have more offensive or defensive picks in the draft? I think defensive. I think um, the only way that's, well, we have we only have six picks. Right. And two of them are in the seventh round. And I, I challenge anybody to predict what positions they're going right. to take with two of the last ten picks of the draft. Right. right? Um, so of the first four, one in each four rounds, actually it could be pretty even because I could see us at some point taking an offensive guard or, a, or an offensive tackle. And I could also see us taking a running back or a tight end. So. I, I, this is a bit of a cop-out answer, but I think it could be pretty even in those first four. Like maybe a defensive lineman, maybe a cornerback, a tight end, an offensive lineman. Yeah. I could see that happening. Yeah. And I'm not going to make any guesses as to what you're going to pick with pick number 260. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, and then we had Christina ask, any news on JPP? No. And, um, again, I think the Buccaneers have – gone through most of what they're going to do in free agency. I think, obviously, the, the big question marks still out there are Rob Gronkowski and Ndamukong Sue. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Rob Gronkowski is the one right. we all think is the most likely to return. Yep. Um, yeah, there's no news on that, and I don't really think I'm expecting any. Okay, and then our final one, we kind of talked about this, but Chad wanted to know, do you go after a tight end later in the draft and then any word on Gronk yet? So I think part of this is also, if we were to draft a tight end, where do you think in the draft that might happen? It depends on how important of a need the Buccaneers think that is because uh, we're and we're going to like you said we're going to talk about trade scenarios in the next in our next road to the draft Mm -hmm. here in a minute Um, but if you were if you were to think that's like one of their top needs on their board then I could see it like a trade down you won't find a mock draft that has a tight end in the first round I went through 20 of them in in five minutes yesterday and couldn't find a single tight end but the consensus top tight end is Trey McBride of Colorado State and one of the reasons why he is at the top is he's already a good pass catcher who's a big guy who they think can be a blocker. So he can be that kind of rare two-way tight end, like a Rob Gronkowski that you're trying to find. And that guy could get on the field right away in two tight end sets, even if Rob Gronkowski is here. Right. And he could be a very important player if Rob Gronkowski is not here. Uh, So if the Buckners were to maybe trade back, it might need, it could be a second round target. But there's enough depth in the middle rounds of that position, like a Kate Otten or a Jelani Walker, that the Buccaneers could get a guy in a third or fourth round. So if I, were, if I were guessing, I would think they go somewhere else with their first pick, but a tight end could be possible at the second third run. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks for all of those questions. And we hope you guys are going to be tuning in to our live show we're going to be doing next Thursday right before the draft. We're going to be doing it from the draft party that's here at Raymond James Stadium. And we're also going to be streaming it live so you guys will be able to check it out no matter where you are. So we'll see you then.